pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it, it is up. going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, to Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome inside Black and Gold. We are getting ready for big NFC South rival weekend. Obviously, the Atlanta Falcons first up over the bye, up after the bye week for the Black and Gold. And uh, man, we've been waiting for this one. It seems a little longer than usual in this season to get to the first Dirty Birds matchup. Yeah, it, it is weird. We're already in week 12. It feels like so much. Everyone's already had like seven panic attacks. We haven't even seen a Falcons game yet. That's That's not <laughs> what you want. And, and so with that in mind, you know, there's a lot to talk about, right? There's a lot of really interesting subplots between the Saints and the Falcons this year. So we're going to do a little bit longer. You know, normally we do one segment with the kind of crossover, like let's talk about the other team. This week, I think it, there's there's enough that we're going to, so we're going to take this first segment, talk about the offense. Second segment, talk about what's going on with the Falcons defense. Obviously some familiar names up there on defense for the Falcons. So to do that, we're going to bring in Bo Morgan, executive producer, Falcons Radio Network. He also hosts the morning shift on 92.9 with Mike Johnson and Tiffany Blackman. Let's get him on in here. Bo. How you yes. Doing? How are we? What's going doing on, good. Bo? I feel like uh, it, it's just a weird one. You said, I, I heard you said, you guys say, hey, we know, well, it feels like it's been a, a late, a late, time to see you guys and it has i hope we have some of our bugs out and you're just starting to hit the stride of bugs that you guys will have <laughs> but it feels like um really that we're oddly almost in the same place even though our records are slightly different you guys you know obviously a game better than us right now yeah i mean but at the end of the day four and six and five and five it's only you know the team's better off whoever wins is better off like it doesn't like it's it's not really different, <laughs> you know. If Falcons yeah. win, they're five and six and ahead. If the Saints win, you know, I think the Saints are in a better position in terms of if they win, they are they are better off. Whereas, but at the end of the day, they're they're on an even playing field, and you know, I, I think that's why the, the the offense is fascinating for the Falcons this year because you know you, you add B. John Robinson, it's like Desmond Ritter is kind of you know you're committed. I, I was interested early in the season. I felt like, okay, maybe Taylor Heineke might be the guy to win the job out of camp. He wasn't. They went with Desmond Ritter. There was a lot of confidence there. And then midstream, it's suddenly, oh, you know, maybe Taylor is the guy. I actually thought Taylor played pretty well, reasonably speaking, in that game. I went back and watched it against the Cardinals. Desmond came in, led that scoring drive. There was a pretty questionable pass interference call on that drive. But, you know, what? what is the deal with that? Well, what's the deal with the quarterback position how you know? Is there a ton of confidence in Desmond Ritter? Because I feel like early in the season there was, and now it's it's a little shaky. I think well, it, it, it's it's the the fan base has zero confidence in either quarterback. I, I, that that much. The funny thing was is you know Desmond was going through what I feel like a lot of young quarterbacks go through, and that's some turnovers early in their career. And if for the fan base for whatever reason, probably because it says three beside where he was drafted and not one or two that third round draft pick seems to make a world of difference to this fan base. And I like a lot of fans that way. I don't think our fans are any different in that aspect than others, but 
it was just that six touchdowns, but six interceptions. The real issue for me with Desmond, the, it was the fumbles. And you got to go back. The, the, the fumbles in the Tampa Bay game were really bad. You can't fumble three times in a red zone, one of which not really his fault. The one going into the end zone would be the one that I really, really blame Desmond on. And that's just uh you can't do. And then you go up to Tennessee and Nashville gets knocked around a little bit early in the game, uh, does fumble, but never seemed in sorts. They do the concussion protocol stuff. They didn't like where he was, so they said, let's pull it. I thought the best Taylor Heineke played when he came in was in the second half against the Titans. I thought he played good enough against the Vikings to win, but the ball didn't move to me as well as it should have. And then I just didn't – I thought he was overly hesitant against the Cardinals. The first two drives, he did a really good job of taking care of the ball. But from there on out, there were multiple times where – you know, Dave Archer and I were talking, and he's like, he's he's got to pull the trigger, and, and he's not pulling the trigger on some throws. So the confidence level is is just kind of meh right now because everyone kind of thought after that performance and after what Desmond did going, you know, in that in that what last drive and maybe two drives against the Cardinals that hey, they're gonna give him another shot. I drew I think of the guys on the roster, Desmond's the best. I think he's the guy that gives you the best chance if you're gonna air it out and throw the football. He's just got to not force anything. And honestly, when he's in the open field, cover that ball up. So I'll tell you the Falcons fans' confidence level, not very high. I'll be honest, I was a Desmond guy. I was high on Desmond. I think he's still got a chance. I think he can play. I think there's a little bit of impatience, and I honestly thought that maybe Arthur Smith might have pressed a little bit with his decision after the Tennessee game because, to me, it felt like, okay, we're 4-4. Four and four. Let's get to 6-4, and four, get to the bye, come out, play y'all, and maybe go to 7-4 and four and, and reassess everything with how well Heineke played there. The problem is that's not what happened, and now you're here at 4 what four and six, and you're throwing Ritter back in, and now it looks like a lot bigger mess than it could have been. You know, you talk about the the offense, and a lot of criticism has come around uh, head coach Arthur Smith for how you know he's been uh, running things there. And just curious, I guess from maybe the fan base, and what is it uh, from the front office? I guess the feeling around him, how hot is that seat getting for Smith? Is is his job in jeopardy? Because I know a lot of folks feel like down the stretch here, he could be someone I, I think that could be out of a job if this team doesn't at least put in a, a, a good effort at being a contender. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Look, with him, they've came out and said that the owner, uh, where however you want to do it, you know how we these these owners are. They'll give they'll give interviews to certain people off the record, right? Um, and sometimes it's not the owner doing it. Sometimes it's someone close, or there's a high office guy that tells them, "Hey, we're not we're 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 staying put. We're not making moves. There's not anything in jeopardy." That's kind of what came out the the week of the buy, maybe like Tuesday or Wednesday of the buy week, and. That's honestly what I kind of expected. You know, being around, you kind of get fills for teams. This was a weird takeover because a lot of times when guys are fired, it's either because it's so bad that you're basically doing a complete reset, right? Like kind of what Arizona, you know, Arizona's kind of been a weird one too, but but a couple of years ago, we've seen some teams where Houston won. 
they went through the debacle, the debacle. But when you knew D'Amico got there, he basically said, hey, I got two I got two draft picks to work with early. Let's reset this whole thing. Arthur didn't get that. Terry didn't get that. You guys are probably – you're more familiar with Terry Fontenot than I am. Absolutely. They didn't get that. They were like, hey, you got, you got this Asian quarterback who can still play, but he makes <laughs> a lot of money. And so you had to go through that for a year where you had this pass-happy offense with Kyle Pitts as a rookie, and he, he looks great his first year. The next year – you're some some something that was something self-inflicted in an organization that they thought let's panic and get with debt to Sean Watson and let's screw it. Now we've pissed off our old aging quarterback who, by the way, has all this money. We got to figure out what to do with him. But oh, by the way, let's go get this guy, figure out to make this work. Now you don't have him. You're gonna, we're gonna, you gotta go find a guy. So you go get find a guy who knows your system and can maybe play around it. And that was Marcus Mariota, and you draft Desmond Ritter. That doesn't work out. And you get back into seven and ten and seven and ten two straight years. And so what all of that did though is got you to to the reset part of it, which was the cap. You were Arthur Smith has been he's kind of been his own worst enemy as a coach because he's been seven and ten each year. So you're not drafting top five, top ten, because he's good enough of a coach to get you with with um, less than a, a full deck of cards as far as what you could go do roster-wise. They were in cap hell. This will probably get me kicked out of Atlanta, and I grew up in Atlanta. <laughs> I'm a I'm an Atlanta lifer, as you can tell with my voice. <laughs> Mickey Loomis might have more respect for me for the cap wizard that he <laughs> is because you guys might be close to us in record, but I look through your roster, and I'm like, <laughs> How'd they afford Marcus May in his seventh year? How'd they afford Marshawn Lattimore in his seventh year? Tyron Matthew, Cameron Jordan, you know, these guys that are Demario Davis, who are veteran players who are pretty good guys. And I haven't even flipped over my chart and going through the Michael Thomases of the world. So we didn't have that. So this was the first year, long answer short, this is the first year he really had to me with some real talent where you could go build guys on the defense and bring more guys in on the offense as far as far as the drafting. So I think Arthur, unless they end up going four and thirteen or <laughs> or six and what eleven, right. I think Arthur's fine. You're gonna have to figure out the quarterback position. And I think they're hoping that they'll figure that out in the second half. You know, sometimes you bench a guy, bring it back in, everything changes for him. So not saying that's gonna happen. Fingers crossed. Yes, but then that's not going to happen. I'm flicking us off there for a second. Yeah, no, no, no. no we, <laughs> hey, you know what? We have cameras and understood. We have special signals for those that are, you know, when you don't do that, and it's not, and it's not that. But our fingers are crossed. Yeah, that's better, right? Our fingers are crossed in Atlanta that Desmond can pull it together. But no, I think Arthur's fine. I think he's going to get four years. It's funny because I think Terry Fontenot has done a great job in, in, in bringing in guys, uh, scrap heap guys, and saying, "Can we plug you in? And can you get us?" Just enough, and he did it. Kentavious Street's a guy that just came in who couldn't get on the field in Philadelphia. Now, that's not so much about Kentavious Street because you guys know him as well. That's more about what's in Philly and how good they are up front. But they go make the trade after Grady goes down, and boom, he's come in, and he's played well his first two games. All of that being said, to me, if you ask me and say put some money on it, I think Arthur Smith has a fourth year in Atlanta, and I think Terry Fontenot, hear me out, Terry Fontenot probably has a fifth year because this team has some talent. 
they've got to they've got to figure out the offense. And I know we're not on the defense yet, but the defense in Atlanta has done enough. You can blame the last two games on them, but overall they've done enough. But no, I think I think Arthur Smith is going to get at least another year. And look, I, I like that. I don't like firing coaches every year. Although I, I would seem to think you guys might be looking for a new coach if if you you don't win this division because I think there were bigger expectations when Dennis Allen took over than Arthur Smith. Yeah, well, you know, I I think it's interesting because what I would say, and and you know, I, I do like Terry a lot, and I I don't know exactly how they operate in terms of draft picks and, and draft valuations. But to me, when you look at how the Falcons have drafted the last several years, because like when I look at how the Falcons have drafted over the last several years, it's kind of followed the Giants' blueprint of how they went into a hole with Eli Manning. And they had him for those last couple of years, and he just wasn't getting it done. And they're like, well, we need more playmakers. So they went on and got playmakers. But it's like that's when you're looking at the top half of the first round, it's like running backs – tight ends, right? They went with Evan Ingram and, and Saquon Barkley. All went with, with Kyle Pitts and and Bijan Robinson. And while they're different players, the, the premise is the same is 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 a playmaker at the top of the draft what you should be targeting versus, you know, offensive line versus, you know, cornerbacks. And every time I've seen a team do that, it's been, well, the expectations are that these players are going to elevate the offense, but they're just not they're not able to be impactful enough. I've watched way too many Giants games where it's like, okay, this Saquon Barkley is the best player on the field, but he's just not able to do enough to elevate an offense when not everything else, when you don't have that quarterback or you don't have that offensive line. So I am curious, you know, when it comes to B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts, is do are they living up to those expectations, which are probably unfair when you're talking about a first-round tight end? What exactly can a first-round tight end do that's going to raise the level of the offense? Um, to a point where you're not just trying to scratch out the division, right? Where you're trying to, you know, have Super Bowl ambitions. So I'm curious what, when you see what they have done over the last, you know, obviously Kyle for three years and, and Bijan for his rookie season. A, do you think that the offense is using them in the right ways? And B, uh, you know, are they the kind of the 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 pieces that you need on an offense to to get to back to the playoffs? Well, uh, I'll start with Kyle because he's been he's been here a little bit longer. The first year, Kyle was unbelievable. Now, yeah. the problem the problem for Arthur and the Falcons that year was you had a, a not a very you had a bad offensive line. You really didn't have a great running game. You had Cordero Patterson, but he was he was it was a pass offense. I said in the offseason that people said, "Oh, well, why why do you have all these skill players if you're just going to run the ball?" And I said, "Well, you're not. You're going to take what they did in 21 with Matt." And you're going to take what they did in 22 with Marcus. And you're going to say, well, Desmond gives me the best of those worlds where not the best of both, I should say, where he can throw it and he got can drop back and throw it 30 times. But also if I need to run him a little bit, if I need to hunker down and just let's pile, let's just three yards forward, three yards forward. He can, you know, he's setting that offense. Kyle was really good in his first year. Then he plays with a quarterback that's not very good. Then his knee gets injured. He, you know that he would he became to me a casualty of what of the the Tom Brady NFL, as we all know. Tom Brady's famous this week for running his mouth about how bad play is and all this stuff. All of which he had a he had a hand in doing with the, with the <laughs> right. rules and the CBA and 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 he was the biggest whiner out there. I mean, go look at last year in Tampa when Grady Jarrett cradled him to the ground and it was somehow a roughing call, but. Kyle fell into that where he gets take, tackled low, takes his knee out, and I just don't think he's there yet. I, I don't think he's healthy. I've watched him play uh, early in the year. 
he he shied away from what looked like lower contact. And I don't think that makes him soft or anything that people want to say. I think it makes him human. Because if any of us have had injuries, we know that you you come out and you're tentative. I've had knee surgery, and I know that I was tentative whenever I would land on my, you know, awkwardly. The first, you, you, you get scared. You kind of play into it when you're first getting out there. I just don't think he's that player yet. I don't think he's back to the explosive guy that that he was that first year, the guy we saw at Florida, the guy we saw at year one. Hopefully he's close to that. I do think right now Johnny Smith might be a better fit in this offense. This this offense is being ran and what they're trying to execute. They need Kyle to be more physical in the blocking game, which ironically enough, he's never really been known for. Right. He wasn't at Florida. I know I grew up in Atlanta, but I'm a I like I'm a Florida football fan in college. College sports, Florida's my team. Don't ask. We can get in that later. But it's true. Not a Georgia Bulldog or, or Georgia Tech or anything like that. But it's but it, that's but he was he was never a great blocker. But Janu can block some, although he's he's had some moments. When it comes to Bajan, I'm going to tell you this: the guy's got almost uh, what 830 yards, almost right. all purpose. That's pretty good through 10 games for a rookie, and he's only t- carried the ball 125 times. Last uh, the Cardinals game in, in Week 10, that's the most carries he's gotten. It should be a three, uh, three-headed monster in the backfield. But Cordero was hurt the first three or four games. He wasn't. He was coming off soft tissue injury. And honestly, don't know if Cordero Patterson has seventeen games in him. And I think they kind of maybe, my opinion only is that they might have slowly brought him in to kind of get him up to speed. And when they got him involved a little bit more, and they had the headache fest in, in Tampa Bay with Bajan. They knew they didn't have to throw him in there in, in, a, in a bad situation because they had Cordero and, and Tyler Algier. Oddly enough, that's the best the offenses look. I absolutely think Bijan is a fit for the offense. I think Bijan is still learning the NFL game, and part of that, me and Mike Johnson, who you know, we'll we'll sit down and it's cool because even though we do uh, we start at six a.m. Eastern time for our show, we've uh, got my office there at the station and. And we pull up the fire stick in the NFL Plus and we'll watch, you know, the All-22. And I'm like, hey, what happened there? And hey, what happened there? And one of the things we've talked about is a little bit of just Bajan developing that patience that young running backs sometimes don't have in the NFL game because of the speed, how quickly they think maybe sometimes they need to go. Yeah, I think that they can be used. I don't always love maybe the, the, the passing game concepts. What the hell do I know? I'm a radio producer slash radio host now. I, I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a coach who play at a high level, but, but you see Max protect two man routes and you go, man, could we not spread it out a little bit and get the ball out quick? Cause, cause we got, because here in Atlanta, we got used to that, guys. We got used to Matt Ryan saying, well, the offensive coordinator saying, all right. Here's the deal. They're not going to. You're going to have three seconds. Get the ball out quick. Cam Jordan years ago said one of the probably the most complimentary things I think he could have said. He said, "You know, when Matt's back there, we know that ball comes out quick." He still sacked Matt Ryan like 24 times, but he knew that he knew that Matt got out quick. So I would like to see that a little bit, but you know, maybe that's what Arthur turns it into. I'd like to see Bajan, honestly. Run more routes, spread out, send him downfield a little bit more. Get get him some stuff where he's running away from the defenders and really use him in the open field of what he can do. But I think that they both can fit in this 
in this offense and still be big weapons. And 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 a little bit of a real quick before we we get to the next thing. A narrative that irritates me that I've heard in Atlanta is, oh, well, the, 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 the head coach and the GM are not on the same page when it comes to drafting. It's clear because we're not using these guys. Well, Drake London, you know, Bajon Robinson, Tyler Algier, Kyle Pitts, Johnny Smith, um, you know, Scotty Miller to an extent, Cordero Patterson. There's only so many touches to go around. And one of the games a couple of weeks ago where it was a big complaint about how much Bajon touched the ball – 13% of the time, the ball either went to him as a target in the passing game or a handoff. It was the highest number on the team. <laughs> so they're trying to spread the ball out. They're just not getting a lot out of it right now. Part of that's red zone failures and turnovers as well. Was that the six-minute Arthur Smith answer about the red zone usage? Is that what we're yeah. talking about? Yeah, <laughs> that's his answer. I, I just looked at it as an overall, yeah, but the red zone yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, well, we've been there this many times out of this many times, and if we, uh, if you take away the turnovers, it really cuts in half any time. Yeah, I'm not doing all that. I just looked at total all <laughs> total usage um, because I think it's interesting, and I try to look at narratives and say, is this um, a fan created thing? Uh, if you want to go Arthur Smith, is it because of their fantasy teams, or is right. it real? Is this a real thing that that I'm not seeing because I'm sitting here producing a game and spotting a game when I watch it? Am I seeing things differently than the fans? And you go and look at it, and it's more everything that's a problem. Uh, the narrative that's been created by this team for me, other than the actual win loss results, right? The scoring, you can look at the scoring offense. Other than the scoring offense and the win loss column. The rest of the stuff about touches and all that, it's kind of just kind of, you know, narratives that fans make up. And I say that not to hate all my fans because I love them. They're, you know, they're Atlanta fans. But you, Kyle Pitts is, is a tight end. He's only going to touch the ball. He only get, if he gets five or six targets a game, by the way, he does. It's pretty good for a tight end, you know, especially when he's got another guy that can be a starter in the league next to him. We've got three running backs that could all start to me. For teams, they're only going to get so many. You got to spread it out. If every time Bajon Robinson comes in, he runs the football or it's thrown to him, then I know that when he comes in, the ball's going his way. Just, just go. You know, let's let's play him differently. If every time Kyle Pitts comes in, we throw him a drag route or a crossing route or a post, well, then I know, you know, the tendencies come up, and there's too many. Despite what Tom Brady thinks, I think there's too many good coaches in the NFL that 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 are going to pick up on that. You have to 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 switch things up, you know. That kind of goes into what I was saying. Like that's why when you talk about taking a running back in the top ten, it's tough because the value in terms of how often they're going to have the ball in their hands is, is tough to measure. But you know, we could sit here and talk about this all day. Real quick, I do agree. I, I'm a I'm a trench guy. Um, right. I, 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 you know, I've watched so many of w what we do with Matt with so many, it was all this, you know, weapons and, and DBs. I'll, I'll take a trench guy every day of the week. Now, did I want Jalen Carter? No, because as much as I, good as I think he is, I don't think he needed, I didn't think he needed to be anywhere within 300 miles of Athens, Georgia. Okay. And he, and, and I don't know if you guys, or if, if anyone watching this is familiar to where Athens and Buford are. But they're they're like fifty minutes away, so or or Flowery Branch, I should say, where where the Falcons are. Beautiful, they're in the same area. It's too close. Um, so I wanted Nolan Smith to be honest with you because I thought that guy could come off the edge. So I'm with you. I think you have a very good point. 
And I think that's probably been the one reason why, you know, there's not a ring in Atlanta right now after the debacle of the 2016 season. I'm not solid to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's change gears here because we could sit here and talk about the offense all day, but I do want to talk about the defense. So we're going to take a quick break, come back, we're talking to Bo Morgan, executive producer of Falcons Radio Network, also host of the morning shift on 92. Point nine in Atlanta. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the defense. Ryan Nielsen getting this this Falcons defense. Knows a lot about what the Saints are trying to do. So it's going to be real fascinating to watch. But this is Inside Black and Gold. We will be right back. 